thank you for your graciousness in our lives, your goodness to us, to thank you that no matter what is going on, whether we feel that it is uh, for uh, ill or for good, we know that you want to make it for our good. We thank you that we can trust you for your blessings, for your protection, and Lord, just for the fact that you want to forgive us our sins and make us your children. We thank and love you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen. For the frowns. Good, and let's turn turn to Psalm 22. And we are going to look briefly. Of course, our teens are being dismissed at this time. And uh, Psalm 22, we're going to look briefly at a triplet of psalms. And um, three psalms together. These psalms are meant to uh, be taken together. And sometimes we lose the context uh, of the psalms that are there if we do not put them in the order and the way that God has placed them in His Word. Psalm 22 is the Savior the suffering Savior. In fact, Psalm 22 is such accurate prophecy of what Jesus Christ would endure on the cross. And I remember one time sharing with a uh, Jewish person, I said, Psalm 22 describes what happened to Christ on the cross. And and uh, he just said, blah, 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 blah. no, it doesn't. I said, but... How can you escape the fact that it, well, it's talking about someone else. I mean, you've really got to stretch it to try to make Psalm 22 talk about anything else than Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus Christ himself quoted Psalm 22 in one of the seven sayings of the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus uttered those words from the cross, and they are the beginning of Psalm 22. Every Pharisee that was there should have known what Jesus was saying and what did they say. The Hebrew was uh, sounded almost like Elijah, and they said, he's calling for Elijah. They were trying to make excuses. Because they had to know the words of this psalm. And it didn't have very much good to say about them. Let's just read through some of these verses. We have Christ, the Savior, being forsaken. It says, Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? O oh my God, I cry in the daytime. When was Jesus crucified? About nine o'clock in the morning, and he died shortly after three in the afternoon. But thou hearest not, and in the night season, and am not silent, but thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praise of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee, they trusted, and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee, and were delivered, they trusted in thee and were not confounded. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. 
All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him. Seeing he trusted, he delighted in him. Those were some of the very jibes, we might use that word. Uh, The railings would be a better word that they railed against Christ. They said, let God deliver him. He trusted in God. He said, I'm the son of God. Why won't God save him? David had written these words a thousand years before Christ was born. Verse 12, many bulls have compassed me, strong bulls of Bashan have beset me about. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and a roaring lion. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. You know, a surgeon said when they... Uh, put the spear in Jesus' side. John tells us out of the wound came blood and water. And he explained that sometimes in periods of extreme trauma that the human heart will literally burst and the blood will collect and separate. And that's exactly what happened. And here it says, I'm poured out like water. My bones are out of joint. My strength is dried up. Verse 15, my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. You know, in John, Jesus cried out from the cross, I thirst. And then it says, and when he knew all things were fulfilled, then he gave up the ghost. Jesus was living Psalm 22. It is an amazing testimony. And yet we go down before here. Verse 17, I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. Verse 18, they part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. Where where could you find this? I mean, how in the world could this be in here by accident? And of course, one smart apple, and I use that very sarcastically, sat down and said, Jesus manipulated the events around the cross to make him look like the Messiah. Now, that'd be pretty interesting if you could bribe the soldiers to gamble for your garments after they nail you to the cross. Uh, These things did not happen by chance. They happened according to God's plan. God knew what would happen. And he wrote about it in his word so that any honest person who reads can know what this is talking about. Verse 19, we have God's deliverance, but be not thou far from me, O Lord. O my strength, haste thee to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword and my darling from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the congregation. Will I praise thee? We were told that Jesus was the firstborn 
among many brethren. The writer of Hebrews says he's not ashamed to call us his brethren. We are assembled today because Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. And yea, ye that fear the Lord, praise him. And all ye seed of Jacob, glorify him, fear him. All ye seed of Israel, for he hath not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. Isaiah said that it pleased God to bruise him and to punish him. And we come here, verse 25, My praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. I will pay my vows vows before them that fear him. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord, and all kindreds of all nations shall worship before thee. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he is the governor among the nations. All they that be fat upon the earth shall eat and worship. All they that go down to the dust shall bow before him. And none can keep alive his own soul. A seed shall serve him, it shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. They shall come and shall declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born that he hath done this. If you can't see the ministry of Christ in his church, his suffering in this passage, I would definitely say a trip to the optometrist is needed. Amen? I mean, it is plain. And this psalm talks about the suffering of our Savior. The next psalm is connected to it. We love the 23rd Psalm. People read it all the time. But I'll tell you, without the suffering Savior, the shepherd's work does not mean what it means. He had to pay the price for our sins so that he could be our shepherd. He is the supplier of our needs. He is our caregiver. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You know what? When I find myself wanting, that means that I'm not enjoying the care of the shepherd. When I find myself going to God saying, God, why aren't you supplying this need? Why, why isn't this being met? God, why isn't this being done? We, we better check out whether we're truly under the care of the shepherd or we're trying to take care of ourselves. I mean, how many times, and, and I'm sure I must have done this to my father as well, but I'll be working on something and one of the little ones will come up and uh, Philip loves to do this. He's just getting old enough to start figuring things out. And he'll say, well, Dad, why don't you do this? And I um, don't want to be mean, but, you know, Philip, if I needed your help, I would have asked for it. And I'm so reminded of what we do to God all the time. Now, God, dear God, in our prayers, it'd really be nice if you... Wait a minute. He's the shepherd. I shall not want. 
We need to learn to trust in the care of the shepherd who already suffered for us. He leadeth me. Oops, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Do you get that? How many of you are chronic workaholics? You just have to be doing something all the time. Yeah, not me, never. The simple truth of the matter is, if you're getting something done, it's because you're a workaholic. You you just like to work. There's nothing wrong with that. But the shepherd sometimes makes us lie down in green pastures. He makes us rest sometimes. He makes us slow down. I remember while we were in Bible college, we got into this big discussion on burnout. And I can't remember who added this to the conversation. It wasn't me, but I've remembered it. He said, burnout or rust out, you're still out. That's not the way it works. God doesn't want us out. He wants us serving him for the long haul. But you can burn yourself out. And you know what? If you rest too much, as you get older, you'll find out that this happens. If you stop using it, it stops working. Uh, You've got to keep it moving. Uh, they say the best cure for arthritis is hard work. I guess that's why the kitchen needs all that fixing. I'm not quite sure. But the simple truth of the matter is, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. Now, to me, this is one of the most arresting phrases in the whole psalm. For his name's sake. He leads me in the paths of righteousness, not for my good, but because he's the shepherd. He wants me to behave as one of his sheep. You know, if a shepherd has sickly and very poorly cared for sheep, it's not a reflection on the sheep or their breeding. It's a reflection on the shepherd and his care. I remember years ago, we went to a place and and uh, it was a singles conference, and I, I was speaking there, and, and uh, they said, oh, we're going horse riding. And Peter was, oh my, maybe five years old or something, very, very young, and oh, he wanted to ride those horses. I mean, he was going to ride that horse. And we went there, and immediately, you could tell, the keepers of the horse farm didn't care for the horses. And the horses reflected that in their demeanor. They put me on this big old horse, and I had to pull the bit in the mouth every gate, or that horse would be off the trail trying to knock me off the saddle. It was not a pleasure to ride a horse that doesn't want to obey, that had to be just 
pulled to, I could not give him any rain at all. That's not fun. But I often think of what the Lord has to do with us to keep us in his way. To keep us so that we are not a poor reflection on the testimony and the care of the shepherd. We often quote the next verses, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, at funerals and things, that's not talking about when someone else dies. That's talking about when you're coming close. That's talking about when that shadow falls apart across your path. Yea, there's an application there. But the real idea is when I'm knocking at death's door. I don't know how many of you have ever been that sick. Where the doctor comes in and says, hey, if something doesn't change... This person isn't going to make it. They told my parents that when I was 12 years old. Said, if this fever doesn't break, he's not going to live through the weekend. Well, I did. Amen. That's the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Why? Because he's with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now, do you know what the shepherd used his rod for? Well, he used it for killing snakes. He used it for fighting off wolves and other predators. And he also used it to give a wayward sheep a little knock in the noggin once in a while. Now, I don't know how exactly he did that. I heard a story that when a little lamb would just be constantly wayward, that the shepherd would actually use his staff to break one of the legs of the lamb. And then he would bind it up and put the lamb on his shoulders and carry it until the, lamb, the wound was healed. I've heard that story. Uh, I, I don't know how true that is. But the simple truth of the matter is that rod, that staff, had many uses. Not all of them were pleasant for the sheep. And if you want to give young people, your children, a sense of security, let them know that no means no. It will help them. When no means maybe, and yes means, well, I'll get it done when I get around to it, if I have time. Those are the children that just have no direction and meaning in life. I've often said I got a great education. My dad taught me the meaning of two words. No and now. I'll tell you, there's a whole education in those two words now, aren't there? If you know the meaning of those two words, you know the meaning of a whole lot of other words. I always uh, laugh a little bit when I see that sign, no fear. I always want to, I just wish I had a crayon to put underneath. No sense, no understanding, no a lot of other things. Uh, I'll tell you, there, we ought to have some fear, amen? Fear the Lord. But thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table. 
before me in the presence of mine enemies. The shepherd is the protector. I mean, how many of you have had a real enemy that has tried to hurt you? Now, I'm not talking about your brothers and sisters, all right? Uh, I mean, I'm talking about somebody that has really tried to hurt you. You know what you do? You don't eat like you normally do now, do you? It gets your digestion all messed up because of the uh, agita, the, the turmoil that is in your soul. It says, he prepares a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. I can sit down in perfect peace and enjoy the bounties of God, even though my enemy is banging at the door. Why? Because he's with me. Oh, that we would grow that kind of faith in our shepherd, Savior. Amen. Thou anointest my head with oil. That's a sign of special calling from God. Well, we believe that God calls preachers. And God calls missionaries. And God has a specific direction that he gives in certain people's lives that he has for special ministry. But let me tell you, God calls every one of his servants first to salvation. You are a child of the king. Amen. And we have an eternity to be cared for with the shepherd. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Now that's Psalm 22. And Psalm 23, but Psalm 24 is connected. This is the sovereign. I put all these three in S's. I tried to get two for the suffering Savior, the sheltering shepherd, and I just couldn't get anything. Uh, uh, the returning sovereign, but uh, uh, not an S. So we'll just leave it where it is. Alliteration is neat until it gets in the way of the message. Then it's no good anymore. And so, but this is the sovereign. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Now, how many of you knew that underneath the surface of the earth are great and mighty reservoirs and lakes and oceans I mean, that's where our wells come from and all the water supply uh, that we have. And it's an amazing thing. It says he founded it upon the floods. Now, did David get out a seismic geologist and all this uh, electronic equipment? Uh, hadn't been invented yet. How did he know that? God told him. God explained it because it belongs to him. The next time you meet an evolutionist, say, fine, it still belongs to him. He's still the Lord of creation, whether you want to accept it or not. But then it gives us a statement, who? Who is going to enjoy the sovereignty of God? Who's going to enjoy the blessings of the king? Who's going to enjoy what he has? Who's going to dwell with him? Who's going to worship him? Do you realize that being able to bring worship before God is one of the greatest blessings he bestows upon us? 
the fact that we can praise him and he accepts it. Why would God accept anything from us? Because he saved us. He's our shepherd. He cares for us. And he wants to give us the opportunity to return that love and that care to him. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. Could spend the whole night just on that one phrase. Who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. You know, there is just so much nothing in our world today. Men of position and power. Nothing. How many people have sworn deceitfully? I mean, I go back. It's an amazing thing. I I hope I'm quoting the person accurately, but they said our president said, in this campaign, I'm going to concentrate on promises that can actually be kept. It just astounds me. How would someone in their right mind say that about themselves? They just called themselves a liar. Where does this come from? But how many people want to appear one way to someone else? You know, that's swearing deceitfully. What you see is what you get. Uh, That's the way it ought to be. And it says here, He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the Lord, from the God of his salvation. The only reason these hands are pure, this heart is clean, is because of the blood of my Savior. Amen? But you ought to keep close accounts. What that means in... In accounting uh, terms, in, in those that keep records, is you don't let bills go unpaid for 30 or 60 days. You take care of it very quickly. When it comes in, it goes out. You don't just leave things sit on the shelf. We need to deal with business between us and God. That's why you need to be in church three times to thrive. Amen? And then we count visitation and special meetings and... You know what? You could just wrap your life up in church. That wouldn't hurt a bit now, would it? Then we get to the last part. And we have the praise to the God of the Bible. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors. And the King of glory will come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Even lift them up, ye everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. How many of you know that course 
from Handel's Messiah that uses these words. Uh, it's one of the most uh, beautiful parts uh, of the Messiah. I'd even thought about getting my uh, iPod out and hooking it up and just playing that course as we ended. I mean, it's just uh, thrilling. Uh, the only problem is if you're not used to listening it, to it, you don't understand a word they say. Uh, that's the way that singing goes so many times. But it's who is the King of glory? It's the Lord of hosts. That means he's in charge of everybody and everything. Amen. You see, these psalms go together. He's not your shepherd until he's your savior. And he will be the king if your hands are clean. Well, how do they get there? Uh, he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You let him be the shepherd and he will be the king. And who will benefit? We will. And so we have three psalms. The next time you get a little depressed and you want to read Psalm 23 to get comfort, don't forget Psalm 22 and Psalm 24. They're together. They talk about the work of our Savior and all God's people said. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this night. We ask that you would put within our hearts and minds the things that are contained in these psalms, that we would bring glory to your name. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, we'll just give opportunity. If you want to pray at your seat or slip out and spend a few moments at the altar, and then we'll get into our prayer time.